Well, welcome to the third message in our All In series. Today we're talking about waist deep and we've been reading Ezekiel 47. So let's go back there again. We're going to sort of just skip through um, the passage again, uh, especially for those that may have missed one or two. And I also want to bring out some thoughts as we look at it. So uh, Ezekiel says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and there I saw a stream flowing. Really important that we remember this is not still water, it's flowing water. And it's, uh, water is dynamic and it's incredible and it will always find the lowest place and try and fill it. And I'm going to come back to that in a little while. Uh, flowing east from beneath the, the door of the temple and passing right of the altar on the south side. In fact, the, uh, the Amplified Bible says it was spurting out of the south side. Okay, next, next verse. The man brought me outside the wall. Uh, through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance and there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet. I really like it when it says 500 metres, but there you go. Just easier to say. And led me across again and the water was up to my knees and after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. I just want to stop there for a second. I want you to think about God. I want you to think about God. He doesn't throw us in the deep end. When we were um, in the early days of our marriage, and uh, we'd gone on holidays, and Rebecca, I think, was about seven months old, and we'd, uh, we'd taken Anne's younger sister. And so we left Beck with Anne's younger sister uh, on the beach. We decided to go for a walk down by the river at Red Rock up near Coffs Harbour. And there was this beautiful water flowing out and I thought it would be really funny to push Anne into the river. (laughs) As it turned out, it wasn't that funny really because it was flowing quite strongly and she sort of slipped sideways and went down into the water. And because the, the side of the sand was vertical, you know, it was just running so fast. She couldn't get back out. And, um, and, she, and she was heading for New Zealand. And uh, so I did the only thing I could do. I dived in and tried to help her. Because, you know, it really looks bad on your resume. You know, seven months into your wedding, you've killed your wife. I, I wouldn't recommend it. Guys, I wouldn't recommend it for those of you that recently married. Um, so anyway, we, we basically... We couldn't swim against the current. We couldn't stand because it was so strong. And all we could do was basically go across the river to the other side. And so we're 200 metres from our baby on the beach and we're on the other side of the river with... We just couldn't get back. And so we, you know, we walked for about an hour and finally found somebody with a boat who took us across the river and we got back and we got back. Rebecca's little red face from all the sun was, was really bad. But God's not like that. He doesn't... <laughs> Push us into the deep water. I, I, I want you to guess this this morning. I know it was a bit of a, a, a funny story, but he's patient with us. He's good. He's kind and he's faithful. And he's, I, I want you to listen to this. He's not interested in purpose when it comes to your life. When it comes to the world, yes, he's interested in purpose and he's got his purpose that he's working out. But when he comes to us as individuals, he's interested in process. Because he's taking us somewhere to be someone. He's not, he doesn't just want us to go somewhere and do something. The Bible says he's making us. He's fashioning us 
into the image of his son. And so he's patient. He's going to walk with us 500 metres in the shallows, I think, as long as it takes. And uh, he's interested in that process. So let's keep going. Then he measured another 1,750 feet and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Keep going. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? And he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on the side of the river. This concept of river and trees is repeated over and over again in the scriptures. In Psalm 1 it says, Blessed is the man who takes his stand on the word of the Lord. He's like a tree planted by the water. And, uh, and, it, and it says in Isaiah that, that we might be trees of righteousness the planning of the Lord. If you jump across into Revelation chapter 22, it talks about, again, the tree of life planted beside the river of life, bearing fruit, and the leaves were for the healing of the nations. Trisha's sitting up there by herself. Have we got anybody that can just go and sit next to her, maybe Di and Jeff, and put your hands on her? Just want to pray. Because the Bible says that that these kind of trees have leaves that are for the healing of the nations. And Father, we pray today that you would work through the hands of Diane Jeff to bring a healing touch in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I love that we're a, we're a, a community like that, that we'll take time to stop and pray for one another and, uh, and see that as a really important thing. Uh, okay, next Next verse. And then he said to me, The river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever this water flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Who can testify to that? That your, your life was once like the Dead Sea. But then this, this flow of living water came into your life and now life is flourishing. Okay, keep going. The fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from Engedi to Eneglam and the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they filled the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Isn't it interesting that the places that don't have an outflow stay the way they are? Jesus says, freely you've received, now freely give. There's something about giving out from your life what you're receiving that causes that water to keep flowing and it causes the water to refresh what's there and allow it to live. Okay. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along the sides of the river. Leaves of these trees will never turn brown or fall. They will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. Uh, Revelation 22 calls it the river of life. The fruit will be for food and the leaves will be for healing. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we ask that your spirit would come and open up Fresh, fresh thoughts from that today in Jesus' name. Amen. I take some medication and it dries my mouth out. And if I don't have water, I'm, um, my, my words are barely indiscernible by the time I'm finished. 
So uh, you'll have to excuse me, and that was a long verse. Okay, so we've been, um, we've been talking about this process, and in the first week, Graham spoke to us about ankle-deep water and the ability to stand, and he talked about the Achilles tendon and how the two things, it's like we've got two Achilles tendons, one on each leg, and the two things that enable us to stand in faith are number one, salvation through the grace of Jesus Christ, and number two is the truth about who God is. It's interesting in the, in the passage that Scott spoke about this morning, the problem really for that servant wasn't that he was disobedient. The problem is he entertained thoughts about God that were not true. He said, I, I knew you to be a hard taskmaster, reaping where you did not sow. And I, I was afraid, so I hid it in the ground. And his whole life was destroyed by the fact that he misunderstood God. God is good. Amen? And we, we find the word there that, that the word became flesh, Jesus, and took his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And read it with me. Full of grace and truth. There's grace for salvation and truth upon which we can stand. The second week... Uh, is just missing off my page. No, here it is. In the second week, Pam spoke about knee-deep water. And this is really interesting. She talked about the knees in terms of intimate relationship. And, and some of you will be aware um, of the concept of fealty. Who knows, who knows what that's about? Anyone? Not many. Yeah, it's an old, a really old medieval term. But you may have seen in movies or television shows um, where people will come, especially knights, will come and kneel before their lord, their, their master, their, their siege lord, if you like, their liege, and they will put their, their, hold their sword up to him like that. And it basically says that... I submit to you, I yield to you, I yield to your authority and here's my sword, my sword in loyalty. In other words, I'm available to do whatever you need me to do. And, and typically the liege, the liege lord will put his hand on his head and that will be a sign not only of acceptance of the offer of loyalty but it's also a sign of protection. So the, the guy says, okay, I'm taking responsibility for you to protect you, to provide for you, to look after you. If you're killed in my service, I will take the responsibility of looking after your family. Isn't that something? And this is the sort of thing that we find when we, when we walk in knee-deep water, especially running water, one of the things that we, we see is that we can't walk very well anymore because this water is banging up against us. It's almost like we need someone to walk alongside us. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. In the Old Testament, the way they used to train a young, a young animal to carry a yoke and to plough a field was that they would yoke it together with a seasoned, an older, a mature animal. And the, the young one, by being yoked to the old one, learnt the way to walk with the plough. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So today we, we come now and we're going to look at 
waist-deep water. Okay. You know, crossing rivers, in, who's ever done any trail walking and that sort of stuff and had to cross a river? Anyone? When, when I was a kid, we used to run the, the cross-country race behind, behind our school. Our school backed onto this whole kind of creek complex and the, the cross-country track went up one side of the creek, crossed the creek, and then probably crossed the creek in three places on the way back, and you came back to the school. And it was always fun to run the cross-country when it had been raining, because the creek was up, and the only way you could finish the cross-country race is you had to run down the track, you had to launch yourself into the water upstream, and let the water carry you down to the, where the track went back up again and climb out. And if you missed the track, you had to wait till you got out a bit further down. They, they wouldn't do that today. But, you know, waist-deep water, the thing about waist-deep water is it becomes irresistible. You can't put your foot down. Well, you can in a lake. You can stand up all day. I, I was fascinated as a kid. We went to Lake Illawarra and the whole lake's like about three feet deep. And you can just walk out in the middle of the lake and stand there and it's like weird. But you can't do that in running water. It will, it will take you where it wants to go. And this is a great thing about the river of life. Once you get into waist-deep water, it becomes irresistible to you. And, and if you really have experienced the goodness of God in it, you, you will let yourself be carried because you know that that's going to go to a good place crossing rivers especially when they're running high is among the riskier things you can do is it risky to get into the river of God absolutely it could cost you everything but could gain you eternal life it could cost you everything but it could be the thing that wins your entire family to Christ when Anne was 14, she decided to jump into the river of God, coming from a family that was not saved, was not Christian. In fact, her dad was quite uh, antagonistic against the church. But she plunged in full. And one by one, every one of her family came to Christ. It's worth the risk. It really is. Number one, in waist-deep water, the river becomes irresistible. Number two, in waist-deep water, we lose our ability to control, to be in control. We lose our ability to stand. We have to yield to the water. Uh, when Jacob was old, it says he blessed each of his sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Who can remember why he had to lean on his staff? Do you remember? Because he got into a relationship with God and wrestled with God and prevailed and God touched him in his hip joint and rendered him lame for the rest of his life. But in old age, lame as he was, he still blessed each of his sons and created this incredible destiny we called Israel. Okay, we lose the ability to control. But the incredible thing is waist-deep water also speaks about fruitfulness. The, uh, as Pam gave me the notes for this message, one of the things she said was... In our, in our waste region are all of our reproductive organs. You may have noticed that when you've gone down to the beach and tried to walk in when the water's really cold. The sensitive parts. 
you get up to the sensitive parts and it's, you're much better diving and you really are. But Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those that remain in me, those that are all in, those that allow themselves to be carried along by the river of God will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In, once we get into the waste-deep water, once we allow ourselves to be carried by that river of life, things start to change in our life. We start to become more fruitful. We find ourselves, God, placing us in opportunities. And as we yield to it, you can end up like Murray and his wife just swishing around Australia in the river of God, seeing where it will take them and the opportunities that God gives them to produce fruit. Okay, fruitfulness. And also, this one's an interesting one. I don't know if you ever noticed that if you're in some rushing water, you can go up to your ankles fully clothed. You can go up to your knees fully clothed. doesn't matter what you're wearing. You could be wearing a, a, a heavy dress. You could be wearing a heavy coat. But once the, the fast water gets to your waist, the clothing becomes an encumbrance. And it actually can, it can get heavy with water and pull you down and cause you to drown. And Hebrews says that since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. When we find ourselves in, in that waist-deep water, in the river of God. That's a time where the Holy Spirit begins to remind us about things in our life that may be slowing us down, that may make it difficult to be in the river, to remain in the river. And they're the times, and we've all been through those seasons where we begin to lay something aside. You know, I'm not, I'm not convinced that, that God is just after holiness. And I know he is. I think he's after profitability. Because Paul says all things are allowable, but they're not profitable. You know, and there's some things that God will begin to strip out of our life because he can see that they are slowing us down. Waste-deep water is about the times when we lay aside encumbrances so that we can flow with God. Today I want to give you an opportunity. And I've got opportunities for three different kinds of people today. I'm going to let the band start singing because these sort of things always sound better with a bit of music in the background. But today you might be thinking, what, what's all this about? What's this river stuff about? What, what is he talking about? Simply I'm talking about the, the flow of life that flows from God towards us. The Bible says about Jesus that in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And I love the way the, the Message Bible says it because it doesn't separate out life and light. It puts them together and it, call, it calls him the life light. The light that exists because of life. And it says, And the life light shone out into the darkness and the darkness cannot overpower it. That's what I'm talking about today. I'm not just talking about a river. I'm talking about a flow of life that comes from God. That as it washes over your feet when you first come to contact, it's refreshing, it's invigorating. 
And I want to give you an opportunity today, if you've never come to the place where you're actually standing in the flow of God's life, in the flow of Jesus' life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. The second group of people I want to speak to today is those that may have retreated from the water a little bit. You know, sometimes we we go into our ankles and we go into our knees and we go, yeah, this is cool. And we go into our waist and all of a sudden we can't stand anymore. And we go, oh, this is dangerous. And back we go to the knees. And I found that once you start going back to the knees, invariably you end up back at the ankles. And if you're not careful, you can back right up the beach. I'll give you an opportunity today, if you've gone down and tasted the deeper water but gone back because you felt yourself losing control, I want to remind you today that God is good.